2: Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co host, Andrew Murtig. We're back for another Friday edition of the podcast. How are you doing, Andrew?
3: Great! It's it's really great to be back. I hadn't missed the show in a really really long time. Yeah. Um. But I was in I was in Las Vegas for uh just just with some friends watching the men's March Madness uh, opening two rounds and and that was awesome. It was a really great time and I came back and now I'm just super excited to break this Aaron Rodgers news tonight, right? Because it finally <laughs> happened. Finally, please, please tell me it finally happened.
2: Oh, it hasn't yet. We're not there yet. Oh, we we missed you last week, though. We gave you a little bit of trouble because uh, uh, well, oh, I heard. Yeah, you, you for whatever reason actually listened to the podcast. We didn't know that you would do that, but uh, Andrew very 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 rarely misses a show. So when he does, we we give him a hard time. But uh, as you said, no Aaron Rodgers news yet. Uh, it doesn't. It felt like for a while it was going to get there. You know, slowly progressing towards that. Now it just feels like, yeah, well, we don't know when that's ever going to happen. But um, although I will say, Adam Schefter did say that talks between the Packers and Jets have stalled. So that's exciting. Uh, saying that the Packers still want pick 13 and more is what was stated. But for now, we will just keep waiting. Uh, But we did get some edge rusher news on Thursday, Andrew. First, it was reported that the Packers have agreed to a one-year $1.2 million deal with edge rusher Justin Hollins, who was with the team last year, joined them late in the campaign. He proved to be a valuable depth piece for this defense, and once Rashawn Gary is healthy— He'll probably be your fourth edge rusher behind Gary, Preston, and Enigbari. So, uh, Andrew, what do you think? Do you like this idea of bringing back someone like Justin Hollins uh, to this team for 2023?
3: Yeah. Well, I really loved when the Packers acquired Hollins and like my philosophy is always, why not kick the tires on a former high draft pick during a season that at at the time seemed completely lost. Mm -hmm. And I, I was pretty impressed with him. You know, you never know. It may, maybe it's just not going to work out in green Bay and you know, what have you wasted Mm -hmm. one roster spot for a few weeks? Um, But I thought he played really well and to keep a guy who can be your fourth edge provide some special teams value, and then also just be a veteran uh, presence in that position room. Uh, for $1.2 million, I'll I'll take that. I'll I'll do that all day long. And especially when you consider Rashawn may not be back 100% early in the season. So you get that vet that's going to help alleviate some pressure from a potential rookie addition uh, at the edge position for Green Bay. And, you know, speaking of potential rookie
2: edge rushers, I think we have some news about one. Yes. The other news that we got on Thursday, nice transition there, was uh, also edge rusher related, of course. The Packers hosted Iowa State edge rusher Will McDonald on a top 30 visit. So uh, that comes on the heels of the Packers, specifically Brian Gudekinst attending the Iowa State Pro Day this week as well. So as they say, sometimes where there's smoke, there's also fire. Uh, McDonald is not what the Packers typically target. At the edge position, he's a bit light for their liking. He's 6'4 and 239 pounds at the combine. I did, I know I saw this somewhere, and so I could be wrong, but I know he was sick at the combine. So there were reports that maybe that weight was a little low. I wanna say I saw somewhere that he was up to uh, 246. But I could not find that for the life of me today. So uh, somebody find that, tweet at me. I'd appreciate that because I know I'm not crazy. um, Or I could be. Uh, But he also has 35-inch arms, so he's a really, really long player. And he boasts a 5, not a 5, let's try that again, 9 0.72 RAS so really impressive athlete which absolutely screams Packers but he is also an older prospect Uh, we saw the Packers throw that out the window last year when they selected Devontae Wyatt in the first round but McDonald will almost be 24 years old on draft night so getting a little bit old Um, and Andrew I haven't watched him closely yet I've seen some highlights I've watched some interviews He's literally on my list to dig into this weekend. He's next. But uh, I know you've gotten to his tape already. So what are your thoughts? And where do you think the Packers might be interested in selecting someone like Will McDonald? Yeah, uh, McDonald's pretty
3: far down on my list. He's something like edge 22 on film grade. But I think he can move up from there uh, with a, you know, his athletic testing is definitely going to shoot him up the the board um so he's he's definitely going to be higher than 22 but the the weird thing about that is even at 22 this edge class is so incredibly good Edge 22 is probably still going to be like a third round grade for yeah. me. Um, that that being said, a lot of people like Will McDonald more than me. So he probably does go something like round two. I know pick 45 has been a popular mock draft destination for Will McDonald yeah. um, amongst Packer fans. So um, these are the notes that I had. Uh, so, you know, Will McDonald, the fourth, he, really nice length and burst. Glad I got that right. <laughs> Right. 35 inch hours and and the athletic testing. So I caught that on tape. Uh, He's a pass pass rush first player, plays really hard, uses length and leverage to win. He has a nice first step. He's not super refined in his moves. If he doesn't win initially, Uh, has a lack of strength at the point of attack. He'll get pushed around a bit. I think he starts his career as a third down guy with the hope that he can add some weight and strength and be more effective early. And I think, you know, if the Packers are looking for more of a pass rushing specialist, McDonald's an intriguing option that can come down, play third downs right away, um, potentially in place of Rashawn Gary early in the season. And then you can, you know, hopefully develop him into a little bit more of a stout run defender. But you already have some of those types mm-hmm. of players in the Packers edge room.
2: Yeah, he's going to be a really intriguing name because he is so different than what the Packers have in their edge rush room right now. And uh, certainly a name to keep an eye on now that he has multiple connections to Green Bay throughout the process so far. But one last quick note uh, of newsworthy note here is that adrian amos was in baltimore visiting the ravens this week of course that's his hometown so i'm sure there's some interest from him to go home especially as he ends you know the end of his career here the next contract may be his last but obviously the packers have a need as safety and we're not exactly sure what that's going to look like going forward and it could be that amos still has a uh, too strong of a market for the Packers to want to bring him back at what he could get paid, uh, but we'll see. We just saw Justin Hollins visit the Giants and then pretty much immediately return to Green Bay, so we'll see what happens with Adrian Amos. Maybe we get some news here one way or the other in the next couple of days. Yeah, I think, I think you hit
3: it on the head there, right? Hometown opportunity. I'm sure that would be a uh, pretty cool chance for Adrian Amos to play there, and you know, after Penn State, really really kind of staying in that that uh, general vicinity uh, mm-hmm. of the country, um a chance to return home. And Amos had kind of a down year last year. I think he had some peaks and valleys, but um, you know, hoping, that he, he gets a really good opportunity. If it's not in Green Bay, I think Baltimore is the perfect place for him to go. We've seen time and time again the Ravens kind of rejuvenate a veteran's career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Amos definitely could be on track for a really big bounce back here. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can go in there, uh, mentor Kyle Hamilton a little bit, and I, I think that would be a really cool opportunity. So we'll see. Amos mm-hmm. has certainly given the Packers a whole heck of a lot to appreciate in the last four years. So just wishing him the best of luck regardless of – of where he goes. Um, and so that is all of the updates. That was kind of a lot for today, <laughs> given that we have no news on the Packers quarterback situation. Um, but while we're waiting for all of that, we wanted to recap what has been going on in free agency around the NFC North. So, if you are all at at all like me, you can't really keep up with all of the craziness that surrounds like two to three days of nonstop NFL news. And then sometimes I don't realize the aggregate of all of the changes that have happened until we start to break down the rosters in June. You know, Kyle and I have been doing a series and last year, Kyle Maggie and myself did a series where we kind of break down all of the changes that have happened. But I think it's nice to just take a pause, see where we are in free agency around the North And then it helps us to preview the draft because Mm -hmm. needs have changed. um, Team situations have changed. So let's just take a lap around the division rivals, see how things are setting up for them leading into the draft.
2: Uh, Kyle, why don't you get us started with the Lions? yeah uh Detroit has done some really nice things the last couple weeks and they've been able to make some good signings I've been really impressed with the way that they've just kind of morphed this roster the last couple of, of years and they started with uh, Cameron Sutton uh, on a three-year deal 33 million dollars coming over from the Steelers running back David Montgomery joins them from the Bears they got CJ Uh, Gardner Johnson from the Eagles after he wasn't able uh, to end up back there after kind of maybe misjudging the market gets a one-year deal with the Lions. Uh, Cornerback Emmanuel Mosley comes over from San Francisco and guard Graham Glasgow comes over as well. So some nice additions there. They re-signed linebacker Alex Anzalone. Defensive end John Kaminsky is back. Uh, Kicker Michael Badgley back as well as tackle Matt Nelson Some guys who left uh, Detroit, uh, Deshaun Elliott, the safety, running back Jamal Williams, Packer, fan favorite, uh, heads to the Saints, guard Evan Brown is gone, cornerback Mike Hughes, cornerback um, Amani Aruarie actually just went to the Giants today. He was on the list of unsigned guys, but he just joined the Giants. Unsigned guys remaining out there, DJ Chark still hanging out there, defensive tackle Michael Brockers, linebacker Gerard Davis. Uh, tackle Dan Skipper and defensive end Austin Bryant. Yeah, so I I don't think this is particularly
3: controversial to say, but I I feel like the Lions have had the best offseason so far in the NFC North. And I would go even a step further and say they very well may be the favorite in the division heading into the season. They really didn't lose that much. Jamal Williams, of course, great locker room guy, super highly productive at the goal line but it's kind of hard to argue that David Montgomery isn't a better overall player. Uh, The secondary should be so much better with Mosley and Sutton at cornerback. And then as you mentioned, CJ Gardner Johnson at safety slash slot. So, If they can add another pass rusher in the draft, they are going to see the improvement on defense they needed to match the offensive firepower they had last year. Now, did they overachieve on offense last season? Yeah, I I mean, maybe a little, but this is still shaping up to be a team with playoff expectations. And add on, they're going to get to pick at 6 and 18 in
2: a month, which should help improve the roster even more. And they basically get a first round wide receiver in Jamison Williams that will be like yeah. they have a third um, first round pick. So point. just a ton of talent coming to this team. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway has to be the improvement in the secondary, like you said. And when you play in a division that has Christian Watson, now DJ Moore, and of course, Justin Jefferson, you need that reliable secondary. So uh, you hate that you like it so much, but Detroit is making some good moves and they're smart moves too, right? They're not just throwing money around. They seem committed to doing things the right way here. So uh, you hate the love it for Detroit, but they're doing some good things, but let's flip over to the Minnesota Vikings where maybe we can like things a little bit less. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Uh, So the Vikings made a few
3: signings. Um, One was tight end, Josh Oliver for three years, $21 million.
2: That's I'm, a, I'm, I I didn't I didn't freeze there Kyle. I I'm thought that was process. a typo the first time I saw it in the show doc. I yeah. saw the signing initially but I had forgotten about what they paid him. So, um, I don't yep. know how that deal is structured
3: but I certainly hope for their sake they can get out of it. Is <laughs> relatively this
2: literally is this the Three deal years, that, 21 million dollars for Josh Oliver? Is this the deal that ruined the market for Dalton Schultz? Is this the one that was like <laughs> what oh, in no. the world is going on? Like I don't know. So That's it's, crazy. Some of these contracts don't make a ton of sense to me.
3: Uh, They did sign cornerback Byron Murphy from the Cardinals, kind of a slot specialist, but a pretty nice young corner. Uh, Defensive end Marcus Davenport follows me on Twitter. Uh, They got for a one-year deal. Uh, And then Packer legend Dean Lowry to play on the defensive line. They did re-sign center Garrett Bradbury, which I'm sure makes Kenny Clark very happy. Uh, Running back Alexander Madison returned, which was a huge surprise to me. Like, I thought Madison would go start somewhere.
2: Exactly.
3: Uh, Kicker Greg Joseph and then also defensive end Jonathan Bullard. Uh, Some players that have signed elsewhere. We got linebacker Eric Kendricks to the Chargers. Defense lineman Delvin Tomlinson to the Browns, wide receiver Adam Thielen to the Panthers, cornerback Patrick Peterson to the Steelers, and some of the, the free agents that remain unsigned. Uh, just a sampling here, cornerback Shannon Sullivan, tight end Irv Smith, cornerback Chris Boyd.
2: All right, real quick, before I give you my reaction to to that list, is Irv Smith interesting to you as a free agent at all? Like, where... Yeah
3: on a minimum contract. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't be in the market of like paying him more than that. But I, yeah, as it, how many tight ends do we see like really athletic tight ends that just take a little while to figure it out and they yeah. look better in their second stop or mm-hmm. in their second contract than they did in their first. And you, I, I give you all the credit in the world because you're the one that pointed this out when the Vikings drafted Irv Smith. That he would be the exception to the rule. Somebody of his size profile has just never succeeded. But I think, you know, you could get him in an offense that's a little bit more creative. I'm thinking maybe even like an H back kind of role. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. could he be a B minus Kyle use check okay. somewhere? Yeah. Like maybe. maybe 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 he could just be like may- maybe he starts you know turning into a solid tight end. But yeah, mm-hmm. if if you're gonna
2: take a chance on somebody, that's exactly the kind of player I want to take a chance on. He's always been interesting to me because when he came out, I really, really liked him. But when I got in, I wouldn't say analytics because it's not that serious. But when you start looking at all the comparative athletes in the NFL, we did. We talked about exactly what you said, that like there's just I think he's six, two and a half or something. It's just there's not that big of a hit rate for guys that height. Um, but he's incredibly talented. He's a great pass catcher. And I do wonder what his market is and what he's going to cost. And obviously the Packers have a little bit of a need at tight end. And if he's like your second or third option, I feel like that could be really fun in an offense, especially with the creativity that Matt LaFleur has shown at times. So anyway, I just want to bounce that off. You can see, see what you thought. But um, I guess when I'm thinking about this Minnesota team and what they've done here, the exodus of talent from Minnesota It's kind of staggering, honestly. I I like the Byron Murphy edition. I feel like they've been kind of stuck between drafting corners and paying aging vets like Patrick Peterson for a while now. The draft picks haven't always hit. Murphy should give them a really good, young, reliable player. Outside of that move, though, I don't know. This story... Is all about the departures. It's Eric Kendricks and Adam Thielen. They were pieces of this roster for a long, long time. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson is a stud, and to see him walk out the door is a tough pill to swallow for this team, I'm sure, and for a team that just won the division, right? They've just gotten past the Green Bay Packers, finally, right? It almost feels like the Vikings kind of know... That they're a significant regression candidate in 2023. And maybe honestly, they're just kind of being realistic and smart about it, and they're not trying to force the issue by keeping the band together and trying to, you know, just run it back. It feels like the Vikings kind of missed their winning window and now kind of find themselves in at least a retool, if not a rebuild, kind of a mode. Um, they've got a decent amount of holes to fill now, right? These guys are leaving. They had holes before, and they have the big contract coming up for Justin Jefferson. So I think that seriously limits the spending, and I think we saw that impact this offseason where they're just not sure how far that they can you know, overextend themselves when they know that they have that big contract coming up. But uh, let's go ahead and flip things over here to the Chicago Bears, who had a busy offseason themselves, because they had a... They had a ton of money to spend, Andrew, and and they made some made some moves. They signed linebacker Tremaine Edmonds to a four-year, seventy-two million dollar contract. Uh, guard Nate Davis. They got defensive end Demarcus Walker, linebacker T.J. Edwards. So two big linebacker additions. Quarterback Philip Walker. I have no idea who that is, Andrew. Running back Travis Homer. Running back Devont. De- Deontay Foreman comes up from Carolina. Tight end Robert Tunyon we're familiar with. Uh, Defensive tackle Andrew Billings. They didn't re-sign anyone, Andrew. There is not a single player that that I'm aware of that was leaving town that they made an effort to bring back. So this is a front office that is churning this roster. They're not bringing back any of these guys. They're letting them move on. Uh, Signed elsewhere, Nicholas Morrow goes to the Eagles. Tackle Riley Reef goes to the Patriots, running back David Montgomery, of course we just talked about, goes to the Lions. There are still 20 players for the Chicago Bears team that are still out there as unsigned free agents, uh, highlighted by guys like Byron Pringle um, and some other guys here who, hi, Angelo Blackson, some some guys that are not A-list names. So uh, they are, like I said, churning the roster, and this is becoming a new team.
3: I see you declined to try to pronounce El-Kadeem Muhammad. So. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Kudos to you. Yeah, I was scared uh, by But no, the before <laughs> before I analyze the Bears offseason, I have a serious question for you. You don't know who Philip Walker is from oh, the Panthers, yeah. the quarterback? Oh, he what? started several games in the last few
2: years. It's PJ, PJ Walker. Did I write? You, what, who's Philip? Put, who the heck is Philip Walker? <laughs> No, PJ Walker. PJ Walker's kind of good. PJ Walker?
3: Yeah. Did Phil, I read Philip? I don't who know. He's
2: Philip Walker. <laughs> All,
3: All right. right.
2: We'll talk We're about gonna that. We going to do later. a
3: little <laughs> research here live on the air here and try go. to figure out how I screw that No, he's listed as Philip Walker oh. on Spot Track. I know. I, I copied it directly and he is listed as that. So PJ apparently, the P yep. in PJ stands PJ for PJ and I are so on a first name we, basis. And we he figured goes by it out. PJ. <laughs> (laughs) But now we figured out what the problem is here. Uh, So anyways, back to the bears. Uh, We discussed what this team might look like heading into the off season. We, we made some projections. I think we were relatively close um, for the direction they headed. We, we knew they weren't going to lose anyone of note um, unless they didn't want David Montgomery back. And it looks like that absolutely was the case that they didn't want David Montgomery back. So I'm just very confused why they chose to spend huge at linebacker. In some ways, I get it. Eberflus, coming from Indy, he had Shaquille Leonard, he had... Um, the other linebacker people are going to be really angry at me that I can't remember his name he just signed elsewhere in free agency. They had good linebackers there. The Eagles have kind of demonstrated this model of having like good three down linebackers. And so maybe linebacker is is not this like set aside position anymore. Maybe it's starting to become a little bit more appreciated. I wouldn't go as far as saying a premium position, but You know, like, who they signed is tough for me. Edmonds is a really nice player. Though admittedly, he's more well-regarded based on his draft status than his actual performance in Buffalo. He wasn't as good as Matt Milano last year. And, like, he is a very good linebacker, but they also just traded Roquan Smith Mm -hmm. and then paid his replacement, who is probably a slight step down in fairness, really similar money. Right. And, I really like TJ Edwards. Trust me, former Badger. Of course, I like him. Um, but to splash the cash at linebacker is just kind of weird to me, given what this team needs. DeMarcus Walker, Andrew Billions, really nice depth on the defensive line. I think Nate Davis is a solid guard. He's the guy that you're going to be able to plug in and be a starter. He'll He'll help immediately. I really like uh, Dante Foreman as a potential Montgomery replacement at a fraction of the cost. That's a nice move. But I think the failure to address offensive line outside of Davis has to be viewed as a failure. Uh, like, I get it. You went out, you got DJ Moore, you have a plethora of future draft picks. That's going to help make up for it a little bit. But the Bears, um, despite having picks 9, 53, and 61 in April's draft, I think they should have gone after some veteran offensive line help Mm -hmm. because even if they draft a rookie at nine, okay, let's assume, and this is not always the case that they're ready to start immediately. We we've seen some, some rookie offense alignments, Charles cross, great example. They step in, they're a plug and play starter. You don't have to worry about them. Some take a little time to develop. Um, I just don't know that you can go into this year, assuming you're going to have like two rookie starters, and this is supposed to be Justin Fields' like prove-it year. Yeah. So I, I I was confused by those moves. I'm not saying they didn't get better. The Bears got a lot better. Um, they still have some money to spend. They still have some really good draft capital. Obviously, going forward, they're going to have a ton of draft capital. And all that's very nice. But how much is this hurting Justin Fields' progression right now? Mm-hmm.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
1: Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash blue wire. That's harrys.com slash blue wire for a $3 trial set.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you here. I have several people that have mentioned the money that Chicago is paying out for this group of free agency they've acquired. They're just kind of confused about where they put the money, honestly, Um, compared with the talent that they acquired. The money just doesn't seem to stack up. Um, They spent big in some areas. But I don't know that they got a ton better. I think, like you said, DJ Moore is a huge ad. But that was a trade, not the free agent acquisition. I just kind of wonder if maybe Chicago just isn't that attractive of a free agency location yet. Because, of course, you consider field conditions, you consider the weather, and maybe players feeling like the Bears are just still a couple years away. I don't know. I'm just speculating, trying to figure it out because the name that I just pulled up was Michael McGlinchey. was the one that everybody thought had a good chance to go to Chicago. It was rumored on the opening day, opening bell of free agency, that he was close to going to Chicago, and then Denver jumped in and signed him. And you just kind of wonder, did they not have a plan B? Because it felt like I have a couple friends who are Chicago Bears fans. Forgive me, but uh, they they just. They assumed that that was going to be the thing, like they were not going to leave free agency without an impact offensive lineman to help them out. So uh, interesting. I don't know. I don't know that it makes sense for sure. Uh, But I don't know that a lot that they did here changed the trajectory of the team outside of D.J. Moore. I just don't feel like it did. Yeah. And then, I mean, you take a look
3: and the Steelers signed Eagles guard Isaac Siamalo to a three year, $24 million contract. Mm-hmm. That's a really good contract for a really good guard. Yeah, and like the the idea that the Bears, you know, who have so much cap room or or had so much cap room coming into the off season, couldn't go out and get a guy like that, it, it it just boggles my mind. Like I would I would go out and sign at least three veteran offensive linemen to protect my guy. Yeah, and then you know use use your draft picks if you want to to even boost that but mm-hmm. um i just felt like the bears had a ton of need there and they they sort of ignored it in in an effort to improve their defense which also is very needed but um an interesting strategy so we'll we'll see how that one plays out um so that is what the NFC North has done in free agency thus far um so I thought it would be fun <laughs> the Packers have not done much uh, we talked about a little bit <laughs> yeah. of what they've done a lot of re-signings. but they do have a little bit of cap space with or without the Aaron Rodgers contract and so I wanted to ask you if there's one reasonably priced free agent you think the Packers should go after um, and who who you would choose in that? And I'm gonna say guard Dalton Reisner from Denver, and and this is a guy who was a huge draft crush many across the Chiefs' head scouting community, and he's been he's been good, uh, not great but good. Uh, it, he started 61 games in four years for the Broncos. I think. Quite honestly, he was expecting a really big payday, but the early run in offense alignment has not continued after the tampering period. So Reisner will likely have to settle for a one-year contract at a relatively middling payday. Let, mm. Let's say he maybe he's looking at like a one-year, six million-ish kind of yeah. contract when he was probably expecting a multi-year deal at an average of like nine million a season. Yeah. So like I just talked about Siamalo, like kind of the same thing for Reisner. I would jump at the opportunity to get a solid veteran to take the starting spot where I feel like John Runyon Jr. is very upgradable at this point mm-hmm. and then be able to really focus all of your time and effort um, on either, you know, Zach Tom at right tackle or Zach Tom at center and finding a new right tackle or or whatever you need to do there. But really solidifying one of those two mm. spots on the starting offensive line that we view as needs.
2: Yeah, if John Runyan Jr. is like your third guard and you can count on him to come in in a pinch, yep. I think you feel great about that. But I do. I think you're in a place where I think you know. What was he a former sixth-round pick? I think you have to entertain the option of of improving that spot. Uh, I actually really like the Dalton Reisner call. He's a name that I probably would have brought up if you didn't. Um, he's a name I have my eye on as well. And I think for the Packers, I think there's no downside if you can fit. It financially, right? That's the big question, and they're probably waiting to see how some of these things are going to fall. But correct me if I'm wrong. Like, the upside is you get a great player for maybe a year, and then he can go out and prove himself. And if he signs a big contract, you're looking at a compensatory yep. pick, right? So like, there's Absolutely. some of there's some of that chest to it that like you're like, yeah oh, maybe he helps us out, and he helps us out later with the comp pick. But um, I'm going to give you more of a position. Than just one name here i would love to see the packers add some defensive line help and i know that this isn't a team that's going to be looking to add aging vets as they kind of rebuild a little bit this year but i just think we've kind of seen this we've seen this team struggle on the defensive line and luckily kenny clark has been pretty healthy uh, but they need more talent they need more bodies in there and so i would love to see them add guys like matt ionitis or shelby harris or a sean robinson to give them a little bit of help against the run and to give Kenny and Devonta Wyatt some help in the interior. They let uh, Jeron Reed go, and I, I totally get that. He got a pretty good payday from the Seahawks. But this draft class isn't stacked at the defensive line. And I don't think, I don't think that I want them spending pick 15 on someone like Brian Brzee. And I just think that Mozzie Smith is probably going to go before pick 45. I just don't think you can bank on this class of defensive linemen being available. And I don't think you can bank on them being impact players early. I don't know that that's where the strength of the draft is. So I'd love to see them dip into this bargain bin, a free agent defensive lineman. But like we close out each show with, I just think that that's going to be a spot that we want to make some improvements. Uh, So Dalton Reisner, a good name to watch, Uh, maybe look at some of this defensive lineman as well. Do you have that list, Andrew, Matt Ionitis? Uh, or Shelby Harris or Ayan Robinson. Do any of those guys, you know, jump out you more than any of the rest? Yeah, I think
3: Shelby Harris is probably the most intriguing, but probably comes with the highest price tag too. Okay. Like I, yeah. I, re- I really liked Matt Ioannidis for a while, um, all the way back to when he was coming out of Temple. Ayan Robinson is a guy who has, I, I think, the ability to make a really big impact. Uh, higher draft pedigree than the other two um and has been on some pretty good defensive lines. I don't know that he necessarily stands out, but like sign me up. Any one of those yeah. three, that would be great. It'd be similar to the Jaron Reed move
2: yeah. from from last year and I I really like that. Like get a veteran defensive alignment. Yeah. I know Maggie's really into the Shelby Harris idea. Um Sean Robinson obviously has the the draft pedigree of of people loving him early in the draft and uh, just the Alabama thing. You know, I, I think there's a lot of upside with those guys to come in and be a great third or fourth defensive lineman for you. But anyway, let's tuck that aside. Let's do what we do best and what we love. Let's talk about the draft a little bit. Uh, we like to close out these shows with um, maybe some of our favorite prospects that we think that Packers fans should keep their eye on as we get a little bit closer to the draft. We are now, Andrew, I think five weeks away from the NFL draft here So getting close, but who is your prospect to watch this week?
3: Yeah, I feel like this really snuck up on me. Um, So I was looking through my list. I've done quite a few positions since the last time that we did this. And somebody that I wanted to talk about was Isaiah Foskey, the edge from Notre Dame. He he came into the season as somebody you'd see mocked in the first round of many mock drafts. And he kind of fell off as the college season went on. But I really liked him as a day-two edge rusher something the Packers may very well be in the market for. We just got done talking about Will McDonald, right? Uh, Foskey has a ton of juice in his game. He is Notre Dame's all time leading uh, sack holder. Uh, That came out wrong. Uh, He he has more sacks than anybody else in Notre Dame history. Uh, He, he wins with a ton of burst bend and explosiveness. He's certainly not the strongest player, but uh, effort and intelligence make up for a lot of that. Uh, and and I I wish he was more refined with the pass rush moves as he can be a little bit too reliant on speed. He doesn't sacrifice run lanes to get upfield, but he's not the stoutest run defender. And, like, his length definitely plays a role in that. Um, he's, he's a really good special teams player, too. That's something that the Packers should certainly uh, appreciate, uh, something I think they would get excited about. But Fosky Reeks is somebody who's going to get drafted by the Ravens or Steelers or 49ers on day two. And then... <laughs> Guile is laughing in the background and uh, I'm I'm losing my focus completely. But no, like Fosky to me, like he, he just screams at somebody, he's gonna get picked by the by Baltimore, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and then just develop into like an eight to ten sackier kind of player. And he tested really well. He has a nine point three two RAS score, and he's gonna be graded just point nine points behind Lucas Van Ness in my final grade. So <laughs> <laughs> he is a player I'd love to see. i love to see the Packers now. <laughs> <that laughs> We're going to have to pause this okay. because I can't keep straight faces. And all right. game. I'm going to get but it.
2: I myself. really think
3: I really think I, all jokes aside, I think Foskey could be a starter for the Packers by 2024. So I really, really liked him.
2: Ooh, all right. I'm going to breathe through this. And I, I was muted for a good forty five seconds there because I couldn't compose myself. But I'm usually the one with the with those moments on this podcast. so I'm I'm glad that you finally had yours. Um, but i I'm actually seriously, I'm glad you mentioned Fosky. Now you get to mute yourself. Um I'm glad you mentioned Fosky though because i I literally just watched him this week, and I liked him a lot more than I honestly thought that I would. Uh, and his interview was awesome. He's a high character guy. He's a football IQ player. He's going to be great in your locker room. So I went in with like middle expectations, but I really, really liked Fosky. I also thought it was interesting that he blocked four punts as a special teams player at Notre Dame. So you're probably getting a developmental edge rusher who's your third or your fourth edge out of the gate, but who could make an immediate impact on special teams. You don't block four kicks, <laughs> you don't block four punts on accident right that doesn't happen just you know this guy has has some quick twitch and some athleticism to do those kinds of things so i'd be fine with foskey at pick 45 honestly but um i'm gonna jump into my guy here and that's dj turner the corner from michigan he's five foot eleven he's 178 pounds so he's definitely a pretty light player uh but this guy this guy can fly he ran a four two six four two six at the combine, which is totally nuts, uh, unbelievable, fast player, but you love that the speed isn't just linear. He's also got oily hips to change directions with these. You don't always see those two things together. So of course you wish he was a little bit bigger and big receivers do give him some trouble sometimes. So I think he's probably best suited to play in the slot in the NFL for being honest. Uh, but it's interesting because That's a big projection because the vast majority of his snaps at Michigan were outside. So um, I love his game, though. He plays with good technique. He's a smart player with above-average instincts. He's super sticky in coverage. Size really is his biggest knock. He's got short arms. um, But just based on his film and what he does well, I actually have a borderline first-round grade on Turner, which I know is really rich for a lot of people but I really, really like the player, and I'd be fine if the Packers took him in the second round for sure. I was just thinking about what I
3: saw of DJ Turner, and I really liked him too. You and I were talking about that before the show. Do you think there's a little Sam Shields to his game?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. How how tall? Sam was a pretty tall player though, right? He's about six foot. Yeah, he. I, I feel like... I feel like I felt like Sam was a lankier player and had a little bit more okay. length, right? And I feel like the the arms, I think Sam was a player who was always mixing it up at the catch point with the long arms getting in there. But the makeup speed, and we saw that, on um, you know, there's some famous highlights of Sam Shields. I think of the the Dallas, their Dallas game where he undercuts a pass just because he has the makeup speed to run underneath the route um, of the receiver. I think you see a little bit of that with DJ Moore, or DJ Moore, geez, DJ Turner um and that makes total sense because i mean he runs a four to six so he all, he has the long speed he has the oily hips to change directions but i think he also has the burst which sometimes you don't always get that twitch even when you do have long speed so i think he's a nice combination player and obviously at 178 179 that's going to be a hiccup for a lot of teams but i just think when you're talking pure football player dj turner is a pretty good pretty good prospect yeah,
3: I, I guess the way I was thinking about it was I, I see Turner as the kind of player who can overcome that weight yeah. um, given all of the things that, that you talked about. And Sam Shields, to me, was a lot like that. Um, and I am somebody who is, uh, you know, banging the table for Sam Shields as a UDFA and yeah. uh, had to buy his jersey after year one because he was my favorite player on the team. So, yeah. Um, Nothing but highly complimentary of DJ Turner, who I no. also will have as a first round grade. So I,
2: I'm loving that you're you're on DJ Turner's uh, bandwagon here. Now listen to this, though. We can't get out of the show. People are like, "I thought you were wrapping up," but we got we got stuff to do here. The producer has just come up with some interesting information here. Sam Shields is listed on Wikipedia. I'm scrolling for other references, Pro Football Reference. Five foot eleven. One hundred and seventy eight pounds, Mr. Oh, my Andrew. gosh! So, I mean, I, I thought he was heavier than that and I don't know what he played at. I guess I'm assuming that's what he played at later in his career. But that is literally what I read for D.J. Mer- D.J. Turner at, at five eleven one seventy eight. So maybe you're on to something there. Let's uh, let's have a little fun with uh, Sam Shields Packers comp. Yeah, I think Shields probably had a little bit better ball skills
3: and yeah, arm length. I'm, I'm not totally sure you, you I. I trust your memory of that a little bit better than mine, but, uh, yeah, Turner is a guy that's super fun. Um, so definitely somebody to watch out for and, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about how the Packers could be in the quarterback market going forward. So, um, that's fun. We got DJ Turner, we got Isaiah Foskey and, uh, I, I think, uh, we got a lot to look forward to. So, um, Andy sent out the tweet today that we are in full draft mode starting next week.
2: Yeah. Uh, so
3: you know, keep tuned in to Packaday Podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed. Uh, make sure that you're following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast to get all of those updates. Um, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and rate the Pack of Day Podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every Friday, and next week we're going to be back with more draft coverage. With huge announcement here, oh, Maggie Loney returning yeah. full time to the Friday crew. So we're so excited about really that. Excited. Thanks for thanks to Maggie for for pinch hitting for me last week, and super excited to get the trio back together. Uh, thanks to you for listening. And remember, as always...